With high interest rates, persistent inflation, and a tight labor market, the next decade is expected to be very different from the last 10 years. So, how can people successfully invest and better manage their personal finances? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, two Hamas gunmen killed three people at a Jerusalem bus stop during the morning rush hour. Plus, indicted U.S. Representative George Santos struck a defiant note ahead of an expected vote to expel him from Congress. But first... Companies and households around the world are still trying to get back to pre-pandemic economic outputs and lifestyles. But persistent inflation, high interest rates, a housing shortage, and remote work are really making a difference. For more, we're joined by James Farris, an investing reporter with Insider. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So in the 2010s, we didn't have such high inflation. We saw lower interest rates and a much friendlier job market. What's the outlook for this decade? Well, I wish I knew exactly. We aren't totally sure, but I have spoken with some experts from economists to market strategists to portfolio managers recently, and they do see what they describe as a regime shift in the mid-2020s here heading into 2030. And while that is a long way off, they point to things like structurally higher or long-term higher interest rates and inflation. So expecting higher inflation and rates that we've seen to persist for the years to come. They see that as a main factor and just the easy money, meaning you can borrow money really cheaply, you can buy a house, or a car or for companies buying machinery at very low costs, that's really not going to be the case in the coming years, according to the people that I've talked to. So let's go back a little bit for people who may not remember the recovery from the financial crisis brought minimal interest rates and inflation, as well as an efficient global uh, trade market. But that doesn't seem to be the case now. Well, I don't think the recovery from the pandemic that we have seen looks much like the recovery that we saw following the financial crisis. I mean, after 2008, the Federal Reserve cut interest rates and there was a lot of stimulus pushed by the Obama administration. And a lot of people thought that the traditional consensus wisdom was all the stimulus is going to create inflation. That didn't happen at all, actually, to the surprise of many economists. Inflation was much lower for longer than anyone really anticipated. But when you uh, look at the recovery from the pandemic, the COVID recession, a lot of people said, well, look at 2008. We probably didn't do enough stimulus then. That's why we had a slower growth and slower recovery. So that all this stimulus that we're seeing from the pandemic is justified. That's actually, as it turns out, all that stimulus does seem to have created inflation, which puzzled and surprised a lot of economists and strategists that I've spoken to. And so, whereas in the 2010s, we saw relatively low growth and low inflation under low interest rates, a lot of people that I have spoken with see higher growth in the coming decade, but they're also looking at more persistent inflation at higher levels, 
under higher interest rates to kind of keep a lid on that. So those are some of the things that we're looking for for the next decade, and it should be a little bit different than what we've seen. So you cover money and finance, and as you mentioned, you talk with a lot of people, a lot of experts and officials. You know, how are they framing the economy uh, for the 2020s, and, and how might that be defined? Well, it does help to take it one year at a time. Most people think that in the foreseeable future, as in 2024, there might not be a recession that so many people expected. Growth did, if you remember, dip negative in the first half of 2022, GDP growth in the U.S., that is. So we did see lower growth, but any economist you'll talk to will tell you that that doesn't count as a recession because the unemployment rate was near multi-decade lows at 3.5%. Now we're currently at 3.9%, still in the 35 to 3.9%, sub-4% certainly on the unemployment rate is a very strong level. So that's something that people aren't too concerned about. That number could take a bit higher, but a lot of the people that I speak with think that there won't be a recession uh, next year. Now, will there be one in 2025, 2026? That is too soon to say. And I mean, it might not even be possible to predict for certainty whether there will be a downturn next year. But taking it one year at a time, it does look like we will be in the clear next year from the people that I talk to. And then going forward, we'll just have to take it a year at a time. So if we had the answers to those questions, right, we would all be able to make great financial moves. So taking it uh, year by year, definitely some good advice. But, you know, just looking at the decade and, you know, what potentially could be expected, it could be very different from the last 10 years. So how can people successfully invest and better manage their personal finances? high quality is great right and it does seem that every company you invest in yeah why would i not want to invest in a quality stock well quality in this case refers to companies with very strong and robust balance sheets solid free cash flow meaning that they're financially healthy they have limited debt and they can continue to execute by growing their earnings, their revenue, and even expanding profit margins if possible, a faster pace than some of their peers. So quality companies, sectors, uh, a lot of people look at technology companies for these. Technology companies do tend to thrive when interest rates are lower. So higher interest rates for the next decade, like the people I talk to expect, they might not perform as well as they did last decade, but because of their quality attributes, they could still be a solid choice. Most of the fixed income experts on the bond side that I talk to say that this is a really strong opportunity to buy bonds, specifically long-term bonds to just capture high yields while also benefiting from lower bond prices. So that could be a strong move. And then lastly, on the personal financial front, I would recommend that people pay down debt, especially when interest rates and borrowing costs are high, starting with the highest rate on your debt. So knock out that debt, invest a little bit simultaneously. And then once the debt is home clear, just ramping up those investments into bonds, long-term bonds specifically, and then some quality stocks across sectors, stay diversified. And those should be some tips to at least get people started. Mm -hmm. James Farris, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
Two Hamas gunmen killed three people at a Jerusalem bus stop during the morning rush hour. Following the deadly incident, Israel reiterated its commitment to wiping out the terror group whose October 7th killing spree triggered the Gaza war. Two Palestinian attackers opened fire at a bus stop during the morning rush hour in Jerusalem on Thursday. They killed at least three people and wounded eight others with a rifle and a handgun, Israeli police said. It was a powerful reminder of the potential for violence to spread on the day Israel and Hamas struck a last-minute agreement to extend their six-day ceasefire in Gaza by one more day. This security camera footage, obtained and verified by Reuters, shows the moment they step out of a white car, guns drawn, to fire at the crowd. Off-duty soldiers and a nearby civilian intervened and the shooters were shot dead. Police said they came from East Jerusalem. Hamas claimed the two men as its members. Israel's hard-right National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir said at the scene the attack proved the need for Israel's war on Hamas, which has killed more than 15,000 Palestinians, according to Gazan health authorities. He said Israel would continue its policy of easing regulations for issuing gun licenses to private citizens. This event proves again how we must not show weakness, that we must speak to Hamas only through the rifle scopes, through the war. Against Hamas, we must fight. This event proves another thing, how important the policy of distributing weapons is. Despite the criticism, I will continue with this policy of distributing weapons everywhere. Israel launched its bombardment and ground offensive on Gaza after an attack by Hamas on southern Israel, in which its militants killed 1,200 people and took 240 hostages. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Thursday's shooting was a reminder of the, quote, threat from terrorism Israelis face every day. Indicted U.S. Representative George Santos struck a defiant note ahead of an expected vote to expel him from Congress. The New York lawmaker also lashed out at his colleagues in what could be his final days on Capitol Hill. U.S. Representative George Santos on Thursday was once again defiant in the face of yet another expected vote to expel him from Congress. Because if I leave, they win. If I leave... The bullies take place. This is bullying. The first term New York Republican has admitted to fabricating much of his life story and faces federal campaign finance charges, among other crimes. He says the effort to remove him was purely political. His fellow Republicans have scheduled a vote on his expulsion on Friday. I stand today to continue to prove my innocence of these allegations and charges leveled against me. Santos survived one expulsion vote earlier this month, but faces longer odds this time. A bipartisan congressional probe released after the last vote found evidence that he spent campaign money on Botox, luxury clothing brands such as Hermes, and on OnlyFans, an online platform known for sexual content. That has prompted some of the Republicans who previously backed Santos to withdraw their support. Santos declined to comment on that report, but characterized the allegations as a distraction. The reality of it is it's all theater. It's theater for the cameras. It's theater for the microphones. It's theater for the American people at the expense of the American people because no real work's getting done. He first drew national attention shortly after winning election due to media reports that he'd fabricated his work history, his education, even his Jewish background. Then came the federal investigation of his finances and his criminal indictment. 
Santos has said he will not seek re-election next year. The drumbeat of scandal has left him isolated in Congress, where he sits on no committees and has little influence. At least 77 Republicans will have to vote for expulsion, along with the chamber's 213 Democrats, to meet the two-thirds majority required under the U.S. Constitution. Santos predicted he would be forced out in Friday's vote and appears ready to relish somewhat in the distinction. So if I am to get expelled tomorrow, I will be number six in the history, the first Republican and the only one without a conviction or without being part of a uh, or without having committed treason. Without Santos, Republicans already slim House majority would narrow further. Thanks so much for watching. For more, head to tickernews.co. I'll see you soon more right after this.